Hello and welcome to the new and dare I say improved Scanon podcast. I probably can't you dare say not. it anyway. Uh, That'll be yes. it. It's shinier, <laughs> it's twenty percent more tiring. Uh but you know, we'll we'll do our best. Uh with me this week are Luke, Ronan, and Grace. A full house. Uh we'll do the usual stuff. There'll be new releases, there'll be top tens, there will be movie news and all of that. There stuff. will be blood. On people's lives. Yes, there will be blood in the head, Ron. And slurping uh, in the background as we lick up a cake. Yes, <laughs> there, there's some liquid cake going on. Uh, best not to know more than that. Woo! Uh, but who doesn't love liquid cake? <laughs> uh, but we'll start this week with what we watched and we'll kick off with Young Luke. Hi, Young Luke. The Padawan, the Skywalker, etc. Et young me. That's um, all the jokes I have in Star Wars. But go on. Well, last night I watched um, August Osage County for the first ah, time. Yeah. I have never seen this, but I'm aware of it. Either. Shockingly. This is your kind of uh, uh, parade of, of American character actors. Because this was a play, I think, wasn't and it? Was it? This is a Tracy Letts play, yes. uh, and he adapted his own screenplay as well. Um, and yeah, it's it's a kind of sh- big showy role for Streep as the matriarch of this family with a addiction with with an addiction to basically every kind of pill that there is. Classic. Uh, and also mouth cancer. Oh, oh, that's that's not good, is it? Good lord. Yeah, and so when her husband, uh, Sam Shepard, who is this kind of once brilliant poet who has kind of fallen into alcoholism, when he goes missing, it kind of brings their family all back together for a long kind of weekend of, of revelations and kind of personal beefs recriminations to the, to the surface. yeah um so kind of in the cast there is like julia roberts um ewan mcgregor and uh you know benedict cumberbatch is in there as well uh but then you've also got like margot martindale um character actor. character actor Mar- margot martindale um uh chris cooper and, and kind of actors like that now can I just say, I was about to say Jack Black, and then I realized that was uh, Osage Orange County, which is not quite the same film. Uh, so just ignore me. Uh, but like, it's it's kind of an interesting one because I'm kind of I'm always up for actors being given very outsized kind of characters and giving a lot of these hang-ups and, and, and kind of family dynamics and kind of basically being allowed to take them for a walk and it yeah. is entertaining to watch there's no real kind of emotional punch to this just because it is so outsized but it is up to a point entertaining to watch like Streep kind of basically go off <laughs> these kind of character tick tangents for, she does these bit. every so often and yeah yeah she she, she can do um uh, but it, it's it's very watchable and there are some kind of emotional connections to me there Cooper is actually really good uh, he's kind of the um, the father of Benedict Cumberbatch's character who's kind of serially bother, bullied by his mother Margot Martindale Chris um, Cooper's been low-key great for probably a couple of decades forever. He, yeah. he is kind of the one bringing a real kind of grounded sensitivity yeah. to this whereas everyone else is kind of trying to 
B, the Oscar. Like Roberts is actually quite good in this. She her character is kind of very put upon and she kinda of does go toe to toe with Streep even if when kind of Streep is kind of overdoing it a bit. She she kind what? of holds her own quite well. <laughs> it just after it's about two hours long and after about the first hour I just found that it was laying it on very thick with that kind of middle America misery mm-hmm. like once you start bringing more sickness and, and more incest you're not my real dad endless amounts of sickness once once <laughs> like Dermot Moroni starts creeping on Abigail Breslin it just no! hits this wow. point of That's it. does an engagement ring get stuck in her finger at any point <laughs> No, he Damn. does. He does a bit of the old blowback marijuana routine on her. And oh, no. dude! Once once people are slapping each other and yelling at each other, it kind of just becomes a bit overwhelming, and it is not as can happen with kind of movies based on places not very dynamically shot. Mm-hmm. What stagey? Yeah, yeah. It is a bit. Um, you do you do get some good stuff in there. There is a. F- fabulous kind of <laughs> bit of melodrama near the end where um julianne nicholson i think is the actress's name she's kind of trying to talk to meryl streep about this big revelation julia roberts doesn't want her to reveal it she's talking about eat your catfish <laughs> kind of swearing eat your fucking catfish at her mother <laughs> um and yeah her and kind of streep kind of go off the rails in a very entertaining way mulroney's kind of gross character is very entertaining and how over the top he is in his kind of red sports car and yeah, right, kind yeah, of contemporary yeah. pop music in that he's kind of playing constantly. So it was entertaining. It just kind of at the end got to be a little bit too much. It was kind of exhausting. Sounds <laughs> but uh, it was it was, it was worth a watch. Um, I also watched and um, you'll be delighted to hear this Days of Thunder. Tony Scott. Tony Our Scott hero. season kicks off again. A little, a little theme. Oh. Tony, and then like just pause the dialogue for a minute, play the little Tony, and then continue. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally with this. The, the little, heaven's gates the, open. Or the little Top Gun there. Yes. It's the sound of White Snake. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy with all these things. Well, Tom Cruise apparently personally asked the lead singer of White Snake to do the song at oh, the end credits of this bless. film, and that's the kind of energy that we're working yeah, with yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this in probably about 20 years oh it's so awesome <laughs> like completely ridiculous yeah but yeah, so I do remember under, that amazing. under the mistake of believing that Tony Scott could make a bad movie oh no of course not <laughs> absolutely not it was kind it's of labelled back in the day as oh it's just Top Gun but with NASCAR and it's like, well, like that sounds that? like <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it, you know, it's the it's the Tom Cruise template movie that he was working through in the eighties. Yes. This is kind of the the end point of that, where he kind of had to evolve or die. Really, um, he shows up in the first five minutes of this cruise, and he's never driven one of these cars before. He shows up on a motorcycle, takes off his sunglasses, like yeah, give it a whirl. And he's like the fastest the car driver <laughs> ever. You know, him and Robert Duvall. You know, it's the older mentor that he's at loggerheads with, but it's all so unapologetically over the top masculine like it's but it's Brooke Grimer Simpson right Daz, yes which is the kind of they the template for this kind of stuff back in the and day and they were loggerheads all the way through yeah, this yeah, yeah. Um, but it, Simpson's an asshole and a drug addict and all sorts of kind of self-sabotaging written stuff by going. Robert Town as well yeah well indeed yeah <laughs> like yeah. there are a lot of oh, egos going on behind the screen there, like. here also Cruz has a story credit and it shows as I say <laughs> I he shows up on the motorcycle yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got Nicole Kidman throwing herself at him because he's just so dashingly manly. 
But in fairness, she did actually marry him. Mm. <laughs> for money. <laughs> Thankfully got out of that, though. Um, also, I love his character name. It's Cole Trickle. Yes, a very oh. 80s actually. <laughs> it's a great name. As in T-R-E-A-C-L-E. As in Trickle? Yeah. Jeez. But he says it quicker. And it's Cole, as in C-O-L-E. It's Cole rem- Trickle, I prefer. It's that. a remarkable <laughs> thing. Uh yeah. But he does sell the shit out of I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do remember him kind of. Cruz's kind of sheer commitment to these things does get you over a certain I amount mean, of value. This, like. this is very much Cruz's shit. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. shows. Like, he, his enthusiasm really shines through. There are scenes like he's going toe to toe with Michael Rooker as his kind of rival driver. And like young Michael Rooker as well. There was a scene after the two of them get in a crash. They're kind of in a hospital, going down the hallway in wheelchairs. <laughs> so it's a born like, to July, but he's telling his orderly to kind of speed it up because he doesn't want to be next to this asshole. And it turns into a wheelchair race. I was howling. <laughs> oh man, I have to rewatch it. It's been an age, and I love it, Tony. It's 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 his kind of frenetic, uh, very choppy style, but yeah, it's yeah. the perfect. You know, outlet for that it suits the medium yeah, that they're yeah, going yeah. for with this kind of racing um, and there are six editors on it and somehow it works it's <laughs> a remarkable there's an incredible scene also where he and Rooker work out their differences by smashing up cars which is cutting back and forth really quickly between this like dinner with the sports officials that they're kind of standing up and it shouldn't work at all the comedic timing the way that they're cutting constantly but instead it, it's, it's just amazing God bless Tony a blindingly stupid film but such a watchable one I really loved it I can hear like chariots of fire music in my head and the uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah the the actual the music is um, is really good as well it's um, Zimmer <laughs> kind of early saying. Zimmer but it's it's half in his early Zimmer but yeah I'll take the point <laughs> I'm not Super eighties, you know, every, everything. It, it, like it's it's a time capsule in the most perfect way. In I that, I, you know, I want to go back. I'm, there. I'm immediately rewatching this because this sounds amazing. I remember most of it, but except I remember kind of, kind of maybe throwing my eyes up to heaven a little more than mm. I probably would now. It, you could easily do that. Like it's even if it, if it's Robert Town, I think all the arguing behind the scenes led him to be very rushed and oh, no doubt, no doubt. on the screenplay. Also, he got paid a lovely seven-figure check on No Doubt for this. Like. Yeah, I mean, Kidman as the doctor is the kind of doctor that's being asked to speak English a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it is cheesy, but just at that right but Scott, perfect so Scott level knew how to pitch of, that, of like. not too far. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Scott he's a pro, what like. he's doing, yeah, yeah. you know. Not on like Top Gun. It, it it's Top Gun on wheels. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm, I'm so I am I'm watching. Watch this. We're I'm on it. To my library list. <laughs> that, that's me. That's me. Hold on. Grace, what do you got? Okay. Ooh, I'm gonna talk about. Oh wow. Okay. I wanted to say that the last time I was supposed to be on, I couldn't be on. Yeah, I watched the newer Power Rangers movie, the reboot from 2017, and it is surprisingly decent. It is. This is on my this is on my watch list because I think Darren was a big fan. And now Luke's a fan. I know you're a fan. It's like, my yes. God, I, I feel like compelled now. Well, it was a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah. And to give the movie full credit, it spends a solid 30 to 40 minutes at the very beginning setting up all of its characters and giving them pretty reasonably grounded arcs and personalities. And also introducing a lot of very recognisable, maybe not tra- trauma is the wrong word, but just um, struggles that yeah, yeah. teenagers would have. So you have one of them who's... Um, well, the more cliched one, I guess, is the star athlete who doesn't really know how not to be the star athlete. Like, what his hey, I've had identity that. is outside of that and so on. 
Um, but then you also have one of the characters whose mother is really sick and he's kind of afraid to go home in case he comes home one day and she's just going to be dead. And it's, it's pretty heavy. Um, and then someone else who's struggling with their sexuality. And so it's then, aiming for stakes. Yeah, and then another kid who's on the autism spectrum. So okay. it's, um, it's, it is. It's very interesting. And like it sets up a pretty good first third or so of them just kind of meeting and, and learning that about each other and learning to look at each other differently and yeah, yeah. outside of their preconceived notions and so on um but the only problem i have with this film is that it is ugly as fuck like <laughs> whoever made it should be shot because it's just wow. so disgusting looking it is dark and gray and artificial and not even in like the grim dark dark and gray as yeah, if yeah. somebody took it and bleached all of the life out of it the sets are really ugly the costumes are awful and like clearly a deliberate thing was bad. it or just badly well, maybe made maybe they wanted to make it look more realistic or grounded I think or whatever it's but it's kind just... of going for the transformers kind of look which is unfortunate because yeah. uh, it does a lot of other stuff really well like even having characters on the, the spectrum or, or characters that are queer in a movie like this that can go so wrong mm -hmm. and yet it, that's all handled kind of yeah like there's really no well. cartoonishness to it and there's no like even say with the kid who has autism there's no sense that people are making fun of him or like making it out to be like this horrendous disability or whatever and They're he's got very... he's kind of the heart of the film but in yeah. a not patronizing way yeah in a really nice way i think and it's just i was just sitting there thinking like i'm, I'm really enjoying this i actually really like these characters and want to spend time with them but why is everything around them so ugly and then the villain is pretty one notion terrible but i mean you could have overlooked that if it was at least filmed in something bright and beautiful but sadly it is not a ringing endorsement for Krispy Kreme as well. <laughs> <laughs> also because this is a film where they, the Power Rangers are literally colour coded and you can barely see what colour they're supposed to be which is the whole yeah. like, thing of their bit is the colour coded thing yeah. is that right? and I'm kind of sad I read recently that they're apparently going to do another reboot with a bunch of new actors and characters and I was like they even had this perfect little post credit mid credit whatever you want to call it sting where they were going to introduce Tommy and I was like lads hello I don't know who That's Tommy is I'm too old for I'm too old Lads, I'm too and old the o for the Power Rangers. The, like, the like Captain Planet, for God's sake. The OG Tommy and Kimberly had a little cameo at the end. Oh. I actually got surprisingly emotional. I love Power Rangers. I can see this. Do. You do get committed to this kind of stuff. I do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> then for something completely different, oh. I watched I Used to Live Here. Oh, that is very oh. much completely different. Which yeah. is very, very good and kind of like very uplifting in its own way and also completely soul destroying. Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, no, this was very good. Very kind of just bare. Um, weirdly, it, emotionless is probably the wrong word. When I say like it's emotionless, I mean there's not an awful lot of emotion portrayed on screen. No. There's no like scenes of people like crying in a corner. It gets like, away. It doesn't. It avoids all the overall kind of elements. Yeah, of it, like, like it's, yeah. it's very naturalistic, I guess. And and there's so much of it that just is completely unsaid, and it's captured in this very bare kind of raw fashion which just lets all of the unspoken agonies that the characters are going through speak for themselves yes and um it's really really good it's really good at just capturing i think a lot of the stuff that we as a nation and probably a lot of nations realistically are very bad at talking about yeah and so much of it is just felt rather than shared mm -hmm. and how that can fester and how it can be misconstrued and, and how it can poison everything like, yeah and how it becomes know. a sort of a self-perpetuating cycle yeah. too when you contrast it with wider inequalities in society and everything else that happens and it's yeah because like i got to the end of this and i thought something was going to happen and then yep. it didn't happen and then it sort of did happen <laughs> it was yep. like oh dearie me this was this was a roller coaster the way yeah, it does like, that is absolutely devastating yeah. just this very kind of unshowy mm -hmm. quite stark uh, made yeah. for a couple of grand um 
with Intala. with Intala um, represent. represent with Daphne Flynn and Jordan Jones, who are both sensational. I spent uh, the whole movie trying to figure out who Jordan Jones reminded me of, and I finally figured out it's Melissa Benoist from Supergirl. She looks ah. like she's also very good in Metal Heart uh, this year. Um, she's a terrific that. actress, um, and I really like the idea of that kind of workshopping with young act- non-actors, mm-hmm. non-professional actors at the time. And it, I, re- I, don't know, I think you're right. It, it gets at something kind of really important without being too heavy-handed it, like it could it, a lot of films fall into that heavy-handed trap and the overall kind of elements that could yeah. easily like really going. exaggerated interpersonal relations yeah. I think I find but with this it's like very spare. a few kind of throwaway sentences and it tells you everything yeah you exactly that and less is more is a thing a lesson that a lot of filmmakers need to learn like in Absolutely. my opinion but yeah no I completely agree so that was excellent and I fully recommend that and then I'm probably running slow in time here but I will say I no, finally started my, my Scorsese season woohoo yeah. sorry I'm very happy very with this happy. I'm very very happy so with the music sting you need <laughs> yes no I'll get on this give me shelter <laughs> yeah always give me shelter um, okay so the first two I watched were After Hours and The Aviator both kindly provided by Jay. Yes. Jay, President Scorsese Stan. So, um, yeah, I think I liked After Hours. I liked them both, but I liked After Hours probably a bit more because it was a lot shorter. Well, that does help. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it was very funny. Like, I don't know. I read it was a black comedy, but yeah. I would just... I don't know. When I think of Martin Scorsese, I don't think of comedy. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a misconception. A, bit, a little film. bit. He, he's funny in a black kind of way a funny lot how? of the time. Yeah, indeed, yeah. But it, there's a lot of that, like, you know, I did. Um, there is a lot of that in Scorsese films. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's this kind of weird kind of tension to his comedy, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think when he develops that well, it's amazing. Like, yeah. After Hours and King Comedy, it's no coincidence that they're yeah. my favourites. They have they're, the same quite close together as well. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. very similar tone. And yeah, they're, they're both 80s. Um, After Hours mm-hmm. is magnificent. Oh my God, it's so good. And it's just so stylish as well. Like, hmm. my sister and I, I know you're not going to appreciate this, Jake, but oh. my sister and I like to make jokes about um, Michael Mann and then play, like, Taylor Swift style in the background. Um, I, well, I like to make jokes about Michael Mann, in fairness. Start doing that for Scorsese as well. I will but, do that. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's shot beautifully, as you would expect, with lots of just, like, really daring, fleet-footed camera work, which yes. I greatly appreciate. Um, and then also just, like, for it to take place over one night and just capture all of the, like, absolute farcical characters that you can absolutely imagine existing within a two or four block radius of New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's that catches that surreal 80s weirdness yeah. really, really well. And that sense of like ennui and, and the extremes to, <laughs> to which you could take it if you decide yeah. one night, I'm going to go out for a drink and then it all And watch that $20 yeah. float out the window. Yeah. Oh god, that was hilarious. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, my money. It <laughs> just read away. that the window. Um, yeah, and then the night, so that was very good. And then the night after that, I watched The Aviator, which was... You started this very late, in fairness. I did, but because I had another DVD that stopped working so it wasn't my original plan for two hours night. and 50 minutes you, you want to be starting that earlier Grace thank you very much Fast Times at Richmond High for not yeah. working yeah. Um, anyway bitch. I did no I liked this but I, I was quite sleepy by yeah. the end um, I'm a bit lukewarm on the caps these days so that mm-hmm. probably didn't help he also looks like he's 12 in this he's so that very was good in it though I would, I would say um, yeah. I think I think he looks older I think he looks better towards the end of it than you would expect him mm-hmm. to be because like the, I think the young him up a bit at the start like he's younger yeah. than he was like he's made to mm-hmm. look younger to make him when he gets older to look a bit more effective mm-hmm. I guess if, if you want it's kind of the right place at the wrong time if you cast DiCaprio as Howard Hughes now yeah he's only become more Hughes like yeah. and that's his, probably fair you know creepy woman chasing yeah. and all that but oh well I mean I think that, I think Scorsese brings that out I mean it's not mm-hmm. it's not without that at all yeah I think and there's a creepiness where he's sitting in air, air, airplane hangers yeah yeah uh, 
interviewing and inverted commas women for roles and like you know without being explicit Scorsese generally avoids the explicitness but it's very clear what's going on there like yeah, no, it's, it's interesting as a character study because I feel like it doesn't really take, at least to my mind, it doesn't take much of a position on him. It's very much like if it's possible to do like a documentary version mm. of a fictionalized story, that's what it felt like. You're just kind of looking at him, but not really scrubbing the surface very much. I think Scorsese... Which would, may have been a deliberate it, Yeah, probably. Choice. I think Scorsese admired him in the technical yeah. area, filmmaking uh, kind of space. Yeah, like the gaze in it, I think, is slightly distant and, and like whatever about towards him for the era that it's set in and all of the very glamorous figures and the style and everything else that's really gorgeously shot with a lot of reverence for that. And the way it's realized, too, with, as you were saying to me, original, what was it? The two strip Technicolor yeah. uh, from the 30s. Yeah, It looks really fantastic and the colors really pop and that's lovely. And it's just like as a recreation of that era, I yeah. think it's very loving and that definitely comes across. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it overall. I think I would probably have to rewatch it just because there was an awful yeah. lot to take in. I think the scores um, you made, but I think the issue, w I don't think you can make a Howard Hughes film. Without being excessive, well, by uh, well, But I think you can make a Howard Hughes film to, <laughs> if you get at the creepy weirdness of a Howard Hughes, and, it, it, and Scorsese deliberately keeps it to a kind of a 1929 to 1940-something bandwidth for a very specific reason, one, because the creepy layer stuff is just too weird and two if you get into the whole womanizing creepiness of them which it is like i mean it's it's there it's suggested but it, you won't get the budget to make that because mm. it's yeah it's it's you have to approach it in an oblique angle because you won't get the money to make it because nobody wants to make the Howard Hughes film they want the hollywood pioneer hollywood wants the hollywood the Howard yeah. Hughes, like it's just interesting because he's very like he seems like a very non-sexual character to me so the idea of him at least the way he's presented here and yeah with DiCaprio playing him I think so DiCaprio has that in a lot of films though I have to say I think yes even in Wall Street where he's supposed to be voracious it doesn't really come across as well as definitely sexual. since he outgrew his teen heartthrob yeah he never really looked more... the same way again except it's... for The Departed where he does have a sense of the vulnerable yes yeah, I think probably in Wall on. Street like women are just more stuff for him to acquire mm. yeah that's true it's yeah. kind of mm -hmm. It's probably not a million miles away from the Howard Hughes perspective. Either. That's probably true. Well. I, I love it. And I watched it this Indeed. week as well as a rewatch. Um, but I started at a much more sensible hour. Um, <laughs> Fine. Next time I'll put it on at I 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and it'll be over by 9. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we'll just constantly keep pausing at yes, yes. Um, well, but we, yeah, we so all do that. Those are my first two, and then I'll probably watch Raging Bull next, so that ought to go splendiferously. <sighs> I'm ner very nervous about this, actually, because well, it's my Well, one of my friends left a comment on my letterbox saying, ah, yes, Raging Misogyny, you're going to love this. So <laughs> yeah. I would disagree with that, but I know exactly where it's coming from. Mm. Looking forward to that discussion. Oh, God, we have set aside about 40 Friday minutes we'll to, to have a conversation about this, Grace. Book some time for next week. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's me, I think. Excellent. Unless you want me to talk about my rewatch of both Christmas Prince movies. No, we do Which not. Of course you do. Of course not. <laughs> Until I rewatch them. We're recording the Christmas edition right after yes, this. Yes. <laughs> Roland, what do you got? So yeah. I spent almost all the weekend tucked away in the basement of the lighthouse at the Gays Film Fest, uh, which we've kind of previewed over the last couple of weeks. But before that, uh, just one other thing. Last night on Mubi, and it's still on Mubi. What? Actually you watched it? That's still on Mubi? <laughs> <laughs> Right. If we had trumpets, I would be right. putting them out. This amazing. Uh, this one is a Brazilian documentary, seventy-three minutes called oh. "Enough with Catcalling." Oh, um, I think I've seen the the blurb for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I expected it to be something a little bit straightforward, sort of a, a documentary take on the situation with women in Brazil, but it's actually really kind of visually inventive. 
there it opens with these overhead shots of people driving around cities and it uh, it kind of sets up a whole thing where it gets into the way that urban design even feeds into entrenched systemic sexism and it's really good it does a load of really really fascinating things like this uh, it's got some really fascinating interviews. There's a great uh, cast of women it's discussing sort of their experiences with, and it's all about first-person experience. Uh, it's really inclusive and broad. There's, uh, you know, a, a, a good spectrum of queer women in there. The, one of the most elucidating interviewees is a trans woman who talks about somebody who has had the perspective of living as somebody's perceived as a man and the privilege that comes with that. Yeah. So you get this really, really fascinating dual perspective out of that. And it's really concise, 73 minutes. Um, oh, I was really impressed this. with this. I'm actually watching this. Yeah, yeah I think you'd really, really, really like it. And it said, like, the way these things where you see a movie, oh, I'm going to watch that, and sometimes yeah. it slips through the cracks. Yeah, like, yeah, a few yeah. days later, it's gone. It's like, crap. It's, right, on, that's on my list. It's more visually inventive than your typical doc, but it is a Which bit I like structurally, from the doc, you know, you know what it's going to do. It, it follows a set sort of as process. As long as it's so well, I don't really care about yeah, that. Like, yeah, and it is, and it's, it's concise. Like, 73 minutes, I'm always going to be yeah. on board. Uh, also, a movie short that we'll come back to in a while, because I believe you've seen this as well. I probably have. Uh, and then Gaze just for the rest of the week so uh, what I was most excited about at Gaze this year we've flagged it over the last couple of weeks uh, it was really really great programming from the perspective of retrospectives um, there was a 100th anniversary screening in there at the IFI of Different from the Others which is a Weimar Republic film about uh, a gay violinist who is bribed by a very evil man who's going to tell everybody that he's been you know, messing around with his student uh, the Nazis did their best to destroy this, so it's what? been cut to ribbons. Yeah. Not the Nazis. I know, right? They're such reasonable people. <laughs> Let's get them on to talk so we can give both sides of this debate, for fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, go on, Ron. It's not, it's not fair that we've been punching that down on yeah. them. Sorry, Nazis. Um, we'll get you on next week to give your side of the story. Uh, not. So it, they made their best efforts to destroy it. One print survived, and as a result, there's not the entire film left at all. There's about 50 minutes of it left, and they're like hefty, hefty I imagine chunks. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, there are hefty chunks remaining where they have to do intertitles explaining yeah. entire plot sections. So, it, as an experience in that sense, it doesn't work entirely because you're, you know, you're having everything kind of you're being hit over the head with it. But the footage that remains is really, really fascinating in that old silent German expressionist style, uh, and it's just incredibly cool progressive to think a hundred years ago they were doing a film that has actually a very similar plot to Victim, the Dirk Bogart film from uh, was that 68 I think Um, so about almost 50 years later a film would do the same thing and seem you know, progressive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seem absolutely progressive. I'll be interested though. The, the Holy Grail is to hopefully find another copy somewhere along the yeah, way. Which yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. it's on the list of those yeah, kind of yeah. lost films. Absolutely, it would be great to see yeah. it. Um, it doesn't seem like even a full version of it would be an especially great film from an aesthetic. Oh, but I think it's a landmark thing. Though. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's you know it's really great programming in that regard though. Just as yeah, a yeah, kind absolutely of, great to see. You know, the history goes back forward yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. X. And and the whole idea of erasure and that anything yeah, yeah. that we did manage to achieve that, that in the last centuries were and have we learned up. anything? No, 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 no. no. Uh, there was also a Barbara Hammer program. She died earlier this year. One of the great uh, uh, lesbian filmmaker pioneers. Uh, I'd only seen Dyke Tactics. Her kind of um, sorry, that's a great title. It's fantastic. Sorry, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Her, yeah. her great breakthrough that's kind of held up. I saw it a couple of years back and I it kind of went over my head a little bit. Yeah. It's 
doing a lot of fascinating things with uh, the male gaze just entirely refuting that, claiming a new cinema for women and lesbians especially. Seeing it on the big screen was great and had a wonderful introduction by the uh, director of the Outfest queer media um, festival up in Belfast who's doing like a DUP drag opera to open their um, what <laughs> to oh, open their festival this that year. Amazing. They sound like wonderful people. I hope there's an Arlene in there. I'm <laughs> oh, the, the poster has Arlene. Oh yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really, really great to see these. It opened with audience, which is half an hour long, and is Hammer going undercover in the '80s at screenings of her retrospective screenings of her own work because she'd been working since the the '70s and going up to audience members who don't necessarily know that she's Barbara Hammer and asking what does Barbara Hammer mean oh, to you okay. uh, it's really playful and funny and I think it's regularly played at the start of retrospective programs like these because it does this weird meta thing where it's like what are you expecting out of this program so you, yeah, it's an introduction yeah, yeah. Being an introduction. and it teases films because people are talking about the yeah, films yeah, that yeah. they really like um, it, it really clever in it, yeah in terms of programming putting this at the start of the program was fascinating and then you got kind of a, a, a walk through the decades uh, Dyke Tactics was phenomenal. I really like Double Strength, which is this sort of extremely visually inventive uh, film about two lesbian acrobats. And there's loads of weird shots from them on their um, trapeze and everything. It's terrific. Really, really unusual filming style. Uh, Super Dyke is in there, which is really good fun as well. Really good for titles, honestly. Fantastic, yeah. Dream Age, which is this weird sort of sci-fi thing about lesbian, uh, the feminist activists connecting through the ages. Just really interesting, weird work. And then uh, Evidentiary Bodies uh, we finished up with, which absolutely knocked me out. It was made last year, and it was one of the very last films she made. Oh, she's, she's, yeah, okay. uh, and it's kind of more of a museum installation. You can see it's a kind of triptych. It's meant to be shot across three walls, but actually getting so the chance to see it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, you know, there might not have been a place in cinema yeah, yeah, necessarily. Exactly. That's what um, I suspect. And it's this weird uh, superimposition of uh, moving celluloid that kind of replicates a lot of aspects of her work over the last couple of decades and she died quite slowly of um, cancer that spread through various parts of her body and it like superimposes all this celluloid with um, medical scans of various parts of her body her brain her lungs and herself in close-up um, just kind of showing her body and its decay it's absolutely Jesus. remarkable extraordinarily powerful from the the context of after her death uh, really knocked me out that was my favourite of the programme by far um, it wasn't her last film she made a few after but it very much feels like somebody I, I believe she was quite sick at the time she made it and then kind of unexpectedly recovered for a while uh, it has that kind of incredible sweep of somebody who has spent their life making films and thinking right here's my one chance to, to sort of put a full stop on it yeah, yeah. it's incredible sounds great um if you can, if you are, can get a chance. Are, are there films available? I wonder. They're they're the, like smatterings on YouTube. There, I'm sure there's a box set out there somewhere. But it's it's very much we're we're in the I, kind I, of I, extreme I, um, experimental thing here. You know, you're not uh, you're not likely to see it in the cinema. I haven't seen any, any of them. I'm afraid, but it, yeah. I just I would hope a kind of tributary box set might be released yeah. of because yeah, yeah. particularly a lot of them are shorts aren't they so they, are, yeah, they could absolutely. easily put package yeah. something with yeah. a lot of films. And they're they're really terrific and great to see. You know, a, a good collection of them from down the decades all together yeah, yeah. gives you a really fascinating. Oh yeah, the length and breadth of a career. Idea of the sweep. Uh, next retrospective thing was Marlon Riggs, uh, who is a black gay filmmaker in the late eighties, early nineties. I'd come across a clip from Tongues Untied, his most famous work, a few years back, and have spent about three years desperately trying to see it. 
Uh, it's its 30th anniversary now. This one came out in 89. Um, and it's getting a bit more attention. I think its DVD release is forthcoming, potentially. Uh, it's an absolute knockout. It's this weird mix of um, black gay American poetry and performance pieces, but done in an incredibly cinematic way. Um, he has a real knowledge of how to to use the camera to generate this incredible empathy and it's a really intersectional film in that it does a great job of uh, discussing how black gay Americans were excluded from the black community on the basis of being gay excluded from the gay community on the basis of being black and it's just intersectionalism yeah the, the the things it manages to do in delving into the emotional on an individual and collective level of how that made people feel is incredible you know, it's, it, it doesn't go model and zoom in on people crying, but it, it gets that same sense from people. Yeah. The, you know, the anger, the upset. It's incredible. Like, immediately sitting there in the cinema afterwards, just thinking, this is one of the greatest queer films I've ever seen. It's singular. Uh, and hopefully will be will be more available this year, as it's the anniversary well worth seeking out. Uh, what else do we have? That was kind of it for the retrospectives, I think. Uh, we also had a couple of upcoming new releases. There is Maplethorpe, the um, uh, the biography of the sort of transgressive photographer, uh, came to fame in New York in the eighties, played by what's his face, Doctor Who, Matt Smith. Um, oh, okay. I was worried about this going in because Maplethorpe is a very, 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 very much transgressive artist whose um, work is kind of being. Uh, reconsidered uh, at the moment uh, he shot a lot of naked black men and he was a white man there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting questions of gays and appropriations um, yeah 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 kind of cultural colonialism uh, the film kind of deals with that a little it gestures toward it but I was impressed with how it doesn't hold back it shows you a lot of nudity a lot um, there's lots of you know shots from Mapplethorpe's own filmography or his own um his own catalogue. Uh, it was made in conjunction with the uh, Maplethorpe Foundation, so they've got access to a lot of stuff. Um, it is admirably um, kind of out there and has no problem delving into all that stuff, but it doesn't do a huge amount with it. At the same time as it does that sort of transgressive approach, it also is completely beholden to your typical uh, biopic beats. You get well, all the usual also, things. Though, if, uh, if you've got foundational support you're probably under a lot more pressure to... Well, it's, it, I will say that for it, that it has no problem whatsoever making out that, you know what, he was kind of terrible in oh, many, okay. many ways. Uh, at one point, his brother criticizes it, well, not criticizes him, reprimands him because he's going out when he knows full well that he has HIV, or almost certainly does, and he's going out cruising. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So it, it has absolutely right, no problem enough. calling him out in this, which I respect very much. Yeah. But you have that whole thing. He, you know, he he moved around in circles with uh, Patti Smith and many other famous people at the time, and they all arrive on screen and introduce themselves with their full names and show a portfolio of their work. And it's just like, why stop? <laughs> you have so much potential here. Um, kind of a wasted opportunity. Not great. Uh, so those were my highlights. There were a couple of other ones. The The winner of the Teddy Award for the Best Queer Film at Berlin this year was Brief Story from the Green Planet, which is, again, about 75 minutes long. Argentinian film that is basically a queer, in, in a weird way, a queer redoing of E.T. 
uh, which I admired very much. Good it Lord. doesn't quite work. The first ten Lord minutes of CT, are. I might add. But anyway, hey, hey, I went there. I went there. <laughs> anyway. The first 10 minutes are really tantalizing, just beautiful cinematography and this yeah. incredible score, really, you know, evocative air. You think, what's going on here? And it can't quite sustain even 75 minutes. The effects are very low rent and they're meant to be, but it kind of runs out of steam. Um, I admired a lot of it, of what it was doing, but it doesn't quite get there. So, yeah, I think the... Uh, the thing ultimately, and there was also the Irish shorts, which I didn't see, but I've mentioned previously, they are all very, very good. So it's it was very much a festival where I think the the retrospective stuff were the real standouts. Um, I I I also saw a few, and I think Luke's seen one, but uh, yeah, or two. Uh, but I've uh, just briefly uh, make him a comrade cliff, which is the documentary um, directed by his nephew and a woman documentarian who I can't remember name of Helen Sumner. Um, and it's not bad. Uh, the structure is very much standard doc in terms of yeah. you know trying to get to the real person that kind of thing. Um, but I think the personal kind of connection to the subject and the idea of reclaiming the talent beyond the kind of lurid headlines that he generated in his time, be it mm -hmm. around the sexuality or you know that he could he really act because he was just a pretty boy and the idea you know. When he he had literally a car crash, then you know, could he act? And was he the same person? All that kind of stuff. So it does try to reclaim kind of performances about that before and after car crash, and I think it, it does that fairly successfully. I think it's really interesting in that regard mm. about kind of because he was an icon in the way James Dean and Marlon Brando would have been an icon, and the kind of stuff around it in terms of sexuality that was really interesting. It kind of delves into it without kind of making it a thing, you know, trying to kind of say you know, so what, like, you know, these things happen wherever it's not really a big deal um, the there's a weird kind of subplot to it that maybe it's like a subplot or such but the nephew's dad who's the Montgomery Cliffs brother recorded pretty much all the phone conversations and stuff so there's a treasure trove of like a whole house full of stuff of video and Montgomery Cliff himself recorded a lot of stuff so there's this kind of weird little strange paranoia stuff yeah. which is weird and strange and to some degree it goes largely unexplored as to the whys of it but what it does do is give you a treasure trove of really interesting conversations and strangeness about where they see themselves as a family where he mm -hmm. sees himself as an actor where and that kind of you know the aside family members of famous people and where they position themselves in terms of I guess estates and stuff like that and because it, it's a nephew that's directing it and he's kind of hands off for the most part in terms of commenting on it but I think he's very much clear that you know, I'm glad this is all here, but my family's fucked up. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, as a documentary, it's it's a treasure trove. Mm -hmm. But in terms of your family, it's like, good Lord, this is therapy, you know, in a very real way. So it's, it's very interesting. It's got more to it yeah. than that, than the standard kind of stuff, which I really like. Um, one that I think we've all seen was Costa Brava. Um, I think myself, Luke and Ron were at that. Yep. And this is this ultra low budget Spanish lesbian rom-com I guess uh, which is bizarre it costs nothing it's really it's, it has this 90s VHS aesthetic <laughs> so it, it really you're nearly scrunching your eyes at the screen yeah, yeah, the yeah. never meant to be seeing that big a screen no 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 not at all and I hadn't been blown up in the way I should have uh, but I kind of loved it in a way like it's it's not very good technically <laughs> it's not even very good structurally in a lot of ways but it's so much charm it oozes charm for me so and, funny and the lead uh, actress and director is very very funny yeah. and very good 
Um, and there's like there's that kind of sense of somebody's raw talent on display that you know, give me a few quid, yeah, I'll yeah, I'll yeah. give you something really good and polished or whatever. But I suspect that hasn't. Happened. I think she's made a couple of films since, but nothing in twenty years. I think the intro said like she's now a chemistry teacher in Spain somewhere, yeah. which is Aww. like all women filmmakers get fucked over. But they're such a life. It was a shame, yeah, because it's it's very much cobbled together. Like, oh yeah, it's on what thirty five mil. It was shot in fourteen days. I think that yeah. they said. Um, and yeah, you you kind of definitely see that they are shooting in bits and pieces on location oh, where, yeah. where they can. And but yeah, a lot of coverage as well, like of same shots you've seen, just to kind of yeah, fill yeah, in yeah. cracks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I did kind of feel that there was a lot of using what they had to kind of make very deliberate artistic choices. Yeah, like yeah. There, mm-hmm. that repetition of, of images um, and of you know recorded audio. You, you understand that that's there because of constraints, but it does kind of, through repetition, mm. very much develop Barcelona as a place and, yeah, yeah. and the character's kind of connection to that. And they're kind of, what what particular conversations or snippets of conversations they find meaningful and revisit in their memory, uh, yeah. which is yeah. was quite interesting. And it, it kind of has a very kind of, good way of using things like photographs or you know phone lines it, a yeah, couple yeah. of times uses conversations that are yeah over the phone and it, it focuses on their yeah the box the, the phone box, box kind of thing kind of yeah. Yeah. Forth. To be very left, yeah. and using these things that are putting people at a physical distance but to suggest the kind of emotional um yeah. closeness between them very charming yeah, yeah. I, really I know I, I enjoy really enjoyed it too um and other things I think we can mention the uh, Yang Gonzalez double bill in some ways yes. uh, I saw Knife and Heart uh, pre gays uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. I saw it on movie and then watched Islands which is uh, his previous short um, one of them is really great one of them is not <laughs> um, I didn't really like Knife and Heart uh, I really like Vanessa Paradis in it uh, I really liked first act really really liked the first act and the setup and all is really good and very aware of its homage and stuff like that but I felt it just flattened out and bottomed out spectacularly in the second act and never quite recovered even though there's some really interesting stuff throughout here and there and the influences around are very interestingly shown and thing I just no uh, and, <laughs> and extremely extremely chaste as a film and I've said this to Ronan we had discussions about it like there's not a swing and dick in sight for a film set in a, a gay porn set and I'm an adult kind of horror kind of yeah, homage. Everyone's yeah. wearing clothes? No, well, it's, there's a lot of blocking. Just, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. To have, it's like a, yes. the Mike Myers scene in uh, Austin Powers where he's walking along and there's a pepper shaker in front of him. It's, uh, kind of, there's an element no of, it's not quite that, but there's an element of that to it. I do, I do agree with you quite a bit that it loses momentum in the second act. It wasn't as much a problem for me. I kind of stuck with it because I liked what it was doing and moving from sort of parodying one type of thing, as in, you know, a shallow and a gay context, to another, which is the sort of typical tragic gay narrative and the way it plays around with those. And then in its third act, it shifts to a cinema where the film within a film is shown. And for me, I enjoyed what it was doing in sort of clashing those things and, and thinking about, you know, what happens if those are the only two ways you've seen yourself? Those are the, the poles of sure. representation you've had that, you know, you only get to see a sort of a really grim, tragic drama where everybody gets burned in a barn or you get to see a sort of campy uh, porn movie where nothing, you know, there's yeah. no actual passion. No, you know, mm-hmm. sex is a joke yeah, rather yeah. than rather than something pleasurable. Um, and the third act kind of clashes them together. I accept that it does lose momentum. And I think that's sort of 
exacerbated when you watch Islands, which is very much almost like a condensed version of this film in I'm some respects. So much better. I love it. <laughs> Islands. Speaking of swing of dicks, there's yeah, yeah, so yeah. many dicks in this film. And I think it's it's highly so likely many. like Islands. Islands is the first scene oof. is an incredible threesome yep. is the only way to yeah, describe yeah. it right, gorgeously shot yeah it's like, this kind of oof. scene that it's like uh, it's a woman and guy together in bed and they're kind of getting on and then this kind of is for initially looks like a murderer is coming in to kill them <laughs> yeah. and there's a knife in the bed and yeah, kind of feathers coming out and stuff like that and he stops and then he, whips, he whips it out but he's just got, his face <laughs> is kind of this kind of disfigured uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of face like burn victim burnt, type thing and his downstairs parts are kind of slightly burnt as well yeah so but you know that doesn't stop the action that does not stop the action no sir <laughs> at all uh, in any way shape or form and then it cuts away and this is a play kind of thing for yeah. it kind of it kind of it's a great reveal oh so french yeah, yeah kind yeah. of yeah this would be a terrible play you know that kind <laughs> of uh, thing like uh, that's a terrible french accent i apologize to all the french people that listen to us all five of you um and then it goes into this kind of odd little kind it's of this story. weird sort of half dream half memory yeah. thing about is this a story connected to the people in the play is this the dream of the people watching the play really interesting on perspective and yeah, sort really of moving. fantasy it's actually yeah. really yeah, yeah, yeah. sad and lovely like, yeah it's got a bizarre I, tone it's got a great great score oh, the score is phenomenal um, I think it's pre-existing music I know One yeah. Tricks Point Never is one of the people on there I don't think it's composed for the film it's, it's I found it really sensual like mm. for all the yeah. kind of big yeah, yeah, yeah. in it like yeah. Yeah. but I think it's uh, an interesting like like seeing islands clarified a lot of knife and heart for me because I think your your criticism that there isn't any dick in that is very very relevant and and completely fair. But I wonder I if there, it's I sitting there on the couch the on my own. Yeah. I was sitting there on my couch and I was like, "Where's the dick?" <laughs> <laughs> like for the no But I think it's, it's we that's our we that's our weekend. It's almost <laughs> certainly a question of production that you can get away with doing that in a, in a, a twenty-minute French short in, in a feature-length thing these days, like that you're doing with. Dicks for but, but something that you're doing with Vanessa Paradis and you're looking for funding and you're trying to get you know yeah, relatively major yeah. French language players Listen, on board. The film's gone a bit bigger than yeah. the average kind of yeah, disc, yeah, yeah. so to speak. Stop it, Grace. Stop that. <laughs> Sorry, you're just making me think I know. of this line from now and then where she's like, a garden needs a big hose to water it. Or a small hose, as long as it works. Spectacular. <laughs> 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 that also reminds me after I have uh, now and then on my rewatch list for yes, months. Yes, you must Yes, it. I must. That oh God, I, I think that, 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 probably, that probably draws the line under that <laughs> conversation. Luke, did you watch anything else? Uh, uh, yes, I did. Um, I <laughs> also caught a documentary <laughs> that is called Light in the Water, which is this kind of sports doc about the West Hollywood aquatics team who grew from um, kind of representing the, the local sports club at the Gay Games which is the uh, Olympics for the, the queer community yeah. uh, that were not allowed to use the Olympic name because of a kind of injunction from what? the American Same. Olympic Committee or whatever Shocker. Um, so, but the the team is kind of formed in eighty two, eighty three, I think, kind of in, and you, it kind of goes to this narrative in parallel as the team grows and, and and achieves things, not just in the gay games, but in other kind of swim competitions, with the kind of development of the AIDS crisis, um, and it is it's about seventy three minutes yeah, long. It, it's packing a lot of information in there, um, which is good in the sense that you're getting a lot of members of this team's stories 
um, and the, there is a good bit of variety of uh, in there over the decades. Like you've got mm-hmm. some really good stories in there of, of swimmers breaking world records and and not even being aware of it. Um, there's there's one particular guy. He's he hadn't been training at, at all for for the games because he had been sick, and he just kind of is going to to get back into it. And yeah, he, he breaks his world record and doesn't even know until until his teammates kind of start a that's, jumping a, over that's to a wonderful moment. Yeah, the lots of lots of great stories in there. You car you are kind of in the early going, getting a lot of explanation of yeah. what these games are yeah. and setting up this club and mm-hmm. you know in in footage and in photographs of the team there's a lot of pointing out who's who and it's you know it, it, it's worth it to establish the, the the players in this doc but during, you, you kind of are getting it so much and you kind of yeah, like, well yeah, who yeah. are you know these people yeah, yeah, if that makes sense but and you know it it was definitely informative i think that there are some ways of looking at this story that are kind of left on the table particularly in how in the way that this team grew from being a very uh, community-focused thing to competing in wider competitions, that was a very conscious political statement, and then it's interesting how they achieve things within that, not deliberately, like in terms of, of representing uh, gay athletes and you know what they can achieve. They're making political statements, but not those statements, and that's interesting. And then as they develop even further, you've got um, non you've got like straight identifying people uh, joining this team um, and that's a kind of interesting aspect of this that the documentary doesn't delve into too much as I understand it the director herself is a member of this club who identifies as straight so it might yeah. have been a case where she doesn't feel that mm-hmm. that's her kind of sure thing to, to delve into but it was yeah it was uh, some really good stories in there I, I kind of enjoyed it quite a bit and it doesn't in any way overstay its welcome, which I think yes, so many yeah. documentaries do. Like keeping this to seventy-five minutes, great idea. Because for the style of this, yeah, you're you're, yeah, yeah. you're kind of getting in and out in the exact amount of time that you need. I think. And there's a uh, Paul Duan put his picture up the other day with the hat. Make short films again, <laughs> or make films short again, whichever you want to call it. Both of those work. Yeah, both of those work. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I'm with that. Um, okay, excellent. Uh, we move on to the movie news. If you're ready, prepare yourselves. I'm never ready. Okay, okay. <laughs> Big news. Ready to- was ever ready. Big news today. Oh big, oh big no. news. Are you ready? What was it? Four Irish films have been added to Toronto uh, International Film Woo! Festival, uh, which is good. Uh, a bump along the way, I think, which is a Galway, which I didn't see, which I heard really good things about. Yeah, it seemed to get really good reviews. Uh, Cam with Horses, which is the Barry Keown new film. I think it's a ah. film four film. Okay. Um, sea Fever, which is the Nessa Hardy moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm hearing good things about. She's she's directed episodes of Jessica Jones and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, the last kind of few years, so this is our kind of uh, feature debut, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. And the last one is Sea Fever, no, not Sea Fever, uh, Sweetness in the Belly, which is a document a refugee drama starring Dakota Fanning. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, well, this has been your impartial news. I really, really hope that's not mm. as white savers sounds. I'm really hoping it's not. But uh, really? apparently, it's in it's in uh, it's in Toronto. We we'll, we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Speaking of white Sorry. saviors and also swinging dicks, I watched what? the Red Sea Diving Resort at the weekend, and Chris Evans was this close to full frontal. Whoa! And then they cut away. Oh come on! Cowards! Well, Cowards. Bastards. Um, let's get away from that. Let's get it back away from. That. It's okay. Let's not. Grace, it's okay. <laughs> um, this adds to the uh, few weeks ago announcement. There was two other films, um, Irish films, at uh, at uh, Toronto. Uh, Glenn Aborns and Lisa Barris to say is uh, Ordinary Love. 
they've made um the brilliant brilliant good vibrations and oh yeah that was good fun and let me let me bollocks up a pronunciation here oh, Malgorzata's Samuska's Irish Belgian co-production The Other Lamb uh, so yeah that's uh, six films yeah we're and, making uh, a major splash at Toronto especially over the last couple of years but you know many of the major festivals are increasingly seeing Irish talent we're coming for you mm-hmm and we're um, going to take on that horrible perception you have of us as just like <laughs> eating potatoes in a field, making miserable rebel dramas and no wrong with that. turn that on its head. Only when it's... When it's Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Second thing, uh, the uh, launch of the Irish Independence Film Collection. Uh, oh, sorry. This is the second volume. It's the Free State Collection uh, from the IFI player, which is a big deal the independence mm-hmm. film collection was in May of last year and a lot of uh, kind of short documentary stuff and newsreel footage from the olden days uh, this did 30 year period from uh, 1920s to the Republic Foundation Republic in 49 so there's a lot of stuff in there um, I was scrolling through this earlier there are loads of things in there you could lose yourself in there for a day celebration on the streets of Dublin as the Republic of Ireland Act came into force mm. in 49 best party yes. we ever had <laughs> yes, indeed. And if you really want to see footage from the Eucharistic Con- Congress of June 1932, have at it. That was probably the best Eucharistic Congress of 1932. It was my favorite. Maze Congress was terrible. Thing. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a uh, DIY of Dunes. Doing work on that absolutely player, exquisite archival work, which I believe they won a prize for last yes, year with their, the, the last collection. The company that makes it Axonista that developed the Irish tech tech company got a major award for it because Fantastic. it's a really really good one. Put the archive films on it so I can rent them, please. Mm-hmm, anyway, right. that's a different different day. <laughs> um, and then there was a, the broadcast amendment bill in 2019, which is going to you know uh, <laughs> a review of the broadcast act. So we're going to have a politics podcast. No, 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 now. no. This not this is this is being welcomed apparently by the screen producers. Oh, brilliant! Right. I welcome it too. In that uh, case, <laughs> I I don't know if I do, but <laughs> apparently, if you need a you know if you're going to have a, a computer or a phone or whatever, oh yeah, when you watch anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a few years away, but uh, yeah. So you can stop paying your TV license for RTE to screen a big pile of reruns and Pat <laughs> stop it. And when Pat Short's not available, Marty Morrissey. I want to be there That's when the TV guys. license inspector calls to your door. This is a communication. <laughs> the Minister of Communication commitment to the Irish independent production sector, which the Irish uh, screen production people have welcomed because. You know, future sustainability and growth, etc., etc. Also, they want money to make. Well, we all want money. I mean, Jesus, if somebody want to give us money for this podcast, (laughs) we'd be happily to. If you're listening, BAI, we are available. We owe them. We'll uh, (laughs) pay us to talk about dicks. Please, please. Uh, Yeah. So um, we're we're very versatile. We can talk about other things, but we should stop talking about it for free so much. We're giving away this stuff. The whole thing is that there will be spend by RT in the kind of Irish independent production sector. Well, I think uh, in, in it's going to the broadcast fund, the BAI. Yeah, in fairness, the BAI, you like have so seen over the last couple of years, the BAI logo is turning up a lot more yeah. before Irish so feature this film. is important. Like, I mean, they, how do you regulate it and all that kind of yeah, stuff? But yeah, they're yeah. paying it. It's a different yeah. argument. Absolutely. But in terms of funding, that money you just is, hope the money should go where it needs to yeah. go. That's it, the question. it has been going to some good places and yes. some other questionable yeah. places. <laughs> so, you know, we shall see. Uh, the Finally, the call for entries for the 20th annual Irish Film Festival Boston is now open. Ah. Uh, so get your films in go 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 uh, this will take place from March 19th to March 22nd in 2020 uh, in Massachusetts obviously uh, and this is the 20th year so they've had over like I think about 600 Irish films over the last 20 years and so you know 
and if they're listening we'll be very happy to go cover yes if they yes, want me must. to go to Boston uh, on an all expenses an all expenses paid trip slash junket I am ready yeah, to go that's fine mm-hmm. I have my suitcase packed I already have all my restaurants picked out excellent <laughs> Grace well done great work and they say we don't do research in this podcast no, yeah. shame on them I actually went there and tried all of them too what a trooper Tell a me. trooper <laughs> right are we ready for the top 10 no not sweet I said, are we ready for the top 10? Can't you just replay like last week's? <laughs> well, funny you should say that because it's not too different, but we'll do it anyway. Let's 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 summon up some fake enthusiasm, people. Right. At 10, horrible histories. Brilliant. Jesus, uh, not that much enthusiasm. Throw it down a little bit, Grace. Oh, uh, Just yet another animated film that's made three quarters of it. Yeah, we're all looking no, at Luke because he's our resident. He'll see any old shite. Uh, <laughs> Man, we love you for that. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, since we lost Aaron, who would also see any old shite. Uh, it's it's it, like you you'll go and see anything, and I love that because we won't, and we should, but we won't. I live in the middle of nowhere. This can't possibly yeah. live up to the, the series of books. So uh, probably not, enough. but it's made a decent amount of money in the way animation films tend to do. No matter what. Uh, so no it's matter what. Live it, it is live action. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, am I thinking of the wrong film? Really? Um, I've, I've heard good reports about it, though. I haven't heard anything clearly because I don't even know what's live action. There you go. <laughs> uh, but it's made three quarters of a million well, anyway. So you know. Good for it. I thought it was animation. Jesus. Anyhow. It sounds like an animation. It, right? Thank you, Ron. Well, also, I think it <laughs> aimed at kids. I tend to automatically Well, indeed, same. Then. It's yes. exactly so it. It's fair enough, fair enough. Um, at nine, really, really impressively, is uh, the Gaze Film Festival Collective uh, thing. Got really great 10. to see. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, a good few thousand was made. Yeah, there's that, some really absolutely nice. packed out screenings over the weekend. Um, yeah, the I think a few, a few sold out. Um, and which is good because, you know, it was a, it was a big weekend for, um, I think, stuff going on in Ireland in general, but especially among the queer community. You had Cork and Belfast Prides both going on that weekend. Which is so the idea that, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The numbers. idea that you managed to pack out the lighthouse enough to uh, to chart is really, really good. Good work all around, everyone. Including everyone here who went, except yes. for me. Who Woo! Didn't. You're a male, in fairness. You have an excuse. Uh, at number eight, The Current War. Benedict Cumberbund and oh, and the, Tom Holland's in it. And the wonderfully named Tuppence Middleton. I'll never stop saying <laughs> Will that. Will this so ever get out of the top ten? I hate this title I, so much. Me I too. Fathom two years. I can't fathom that this is in the top ten because I refuse to believe anyone has seen this. Right? Me too. Right? Yeah, I don't I know anyone. Yeah. I saw oh, a trailer for it. Is it even a film? No. Do we know? It's I not. saw a trailer for it, like an in single trailer, and that was it. So I just assumed it was going to vanish off the face of the earth. Right? Yeah. The way these things do. Out that people are like, nah. I guess I'll go I don't think it. even the people that went have seen it. They this is a film stepped you, into another dimension. Yeah, yeah. So you do not see this in a cinema. You see this on RTE two on Wednesday night in eight years' time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then let let's yeah. get carried away that you know it's making a four. It's made eighty five grand, so you know that's yeah. too much, Jay. It is. It is. Michael Shannon in this too. Uh, he is. Not. Yeah. He is. He'll turn up in anything these so days. So many views. Oh, but that's him and his Tash. Is that it? Is that the one where he's a big giant Tash? Yeah. Probably. Is that all his films? <laughs> anyway. At, si- at seven, Annabelle comes home. Oh, Would you stop? How is, These what? films make so much money, like six hundred thousand. Yeah, the spin-off of spin-offs. Already this yeah, year. the nun. I'm so confused. People really like horror. People like it's terrible a, films. It's and not this, even good horror. I'm, no, of course it's, it's yeah. not. Of course it's not good yeah. horror. But no, there's no, only ever one at a time, so they'll go along to whatever. Whatever. Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, Annabelle goes to rescue Timmy from the well that he's fallen down. What, seriously? <laughs> so, no. Oh, man, That's where he gets the actually. I'd I almost bought a ticket. I bought it, like, you know, literally and figuratively speaking. 
The also, you probably just gave them an idea for their next sequel. Oh, I see Cobra's like, Annabelle, Annabelle comes home. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing this ever. Um, <laughs> speaking of films I'm never going to see, at number six, Yesterday. Aj, you said oh, you my would. My sister wrote a great summary of this on WhatsApp. Did she? Yes. Is it fit for publication? Hold on, hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. Luke, have you it. seen Yesterday? No. No. Luke, no. What's your favorite? Why have we got song? you on this? Do you know, I actually, I, I don't hate Richard Curtis. I kind of get off this podcast. <laughs> no, I apologize. But there is a line, and this there is, is a line. I think this is the line. Uh, I think about time should have been the line uh, it's not the line the line was a dash to about time yeah I want to see Ronan watch about time no, I want to, I want to hear you come in this I'll movie. do it if you watch yesterday you son of a bitch <laughs> you will never see about time <laughs> nice try sir can nice you try. imagine the two of us going into a double bill of those which stop to be word around the dance floor uh, we're, we're very close to skipping this come on Grace sorry keep going alright we'll come back to this yeah, yeah. Right, at five, Spider-Man, Far From Home. I've seen this. Another Tom Holland film. Jeez, he's everywhere. My boyfriend. He's uh, he's made, this has made three million <laughs> quid. <laughs> yeah, he's like 12, Grace. Jesus, have some respect. <laughs> this I, made three I, million quid. Marvel, they make all the money. So three million? Yeah. Don't it's, Sony get half of it? Who cares? How much was the current war? <laughs> Too much. Uh, yes. 80 grand. I think I've solved this. This is like old people that can't see very well accidentally bringing their grandkids into the current Where war because they think it's Spider-Man. It's Condiman. Look, he's, he's Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably agree that. Yeah, it's made money in the way that all these films make money and good on them, I guess. Well, again, maybe there's just nothing else out. There really isn't. This top ten would bear that out. I saw a trailer TV last week and I was like, this has been out for a month. Why are yeah. you still showing Because there's nothing else going on. Grim to speak number four the angry birds movie two which has made 80 grand listed as cast of josh gad jason sudeikis leslie jones bill hader danny mcbride aquafina and rachel bloom that cast is far too good for that film i know right yeah yeah it is uh, it's busy it's a lot um i haven't seen the angry movie. birds you have you seen has anybody <laughs> seen the angry birds stop no oh sorry Ron. No, don't Luke, ask silly even questions. i wouldn't uh you know you have no, standards, Luke. I'm glad you have standards. It's, it's good to happy. have some standards. It is. I found the review. Go on, hit me. Okay, so Heather says, managed to find a stream of yesterday. Whoops. Ooh. I liked it. <laughs> they made a great attempt of making Lily James look ugly and they successfully failed. There's a weird part at the end involving John Lennon that I didn't like yeah. and I don't think Mum would like either. My I spoiled that. Um, it was too long. Ed Sheeran wasn't in much of it, though. Kate McKinnon is in it, which is good. Coke, not Pepsi, doesn't exist in this universe. Heather prefers Pepsi to Coke. Um, cigarettes, Oasis, and Harry Potter also do not exist in this universe, but it's enjoyable, although very British. Tell Heather she's dead to me. Um, she likes about time, so. Tell Heather she's dead to me. I repeat. We have so much in common otherwise. She'll just rise up out of the ocean on the Titanic, which she also loves, and run you over. I don't mind Titanic. Very British is the kind of thing Curtis would want on the poster of one of his films. Yeah, he would, yeah. God damn it, what a son of a bitch. Oh, anyway. no, wait, sorry, the sting in the tail. I was expecting a cameo, which would have been good, but I guess Paul and Ringo have better things to be doing. So, That's there we are. Heather's review of yesterday. Jesus. At three, Toy Story 4. Ooh. How much is this made? 5.1 million. Come on. This is getting into towards top 10 territory uh, of Ireland, I think. Uh, of all time? Well, I don't know. Well, don't so they, they, they aren't the top 10s were like 6 point something million, aren't they? 
Like I don't think it'll get there, but it won't be far off. That's a lot of money. I suspect there's probably another Toy Story in there already. Yeah, three is definitely three made in the last money here. Does this sort of bridge a gap though between like older older people, as in people our age, because we're ancient, who remember like the originals? Well, I remember the original, so it is that. Yeah, but I've given up though on Pixar a little bit. But I think I think I think you're right though. I think this covers a lot of people because of the length of time between first and third. I think it's kind of ten years exactly between this and three, which if yeah. It's fuck it is. Is it terrifying thought? Yeah, yeah. Toy Story 3 was 10 years ago. Which I'm just, it, it uh. kind of demonstrates how this is an exercise in keeping the brand you oh, know, alive yeah. for the generation that would be you know, too young to have seen the, the third one. Yeah. How grim that is. It's got oh, Keanu Reeves in it. That was a little, little Still action, though. action we all around. Duke Kaboom, you know. Uh, yeah. It's just. A two. Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Haven't seen it yet. Grace. Yet. You were our Fast and Furious stand. What the hell's going I know, on? This, like this is a spin-off. You know, it doesn't have. Oh, excuse me. The, the standards aren't being kept, are they? Yes. Yes, I. Like I, the all first four films are so great. Like. Well, excuse you. You haven't even gotten to the best ones yet. Yes, because the fifth one in every series is always the best one. <laughs> yeah, it is in this series. Jesus Actually, it's not wet. And in Rocky. But still. <laughs> I had to see that Sorry. face. Anyway, I will report back on this when I, we get around to seeing it. I can't wait. <laughs> Luke? I have not seen this yet. I will go see it. And I've it will be my know. first Fast and Furious movie ever. I've never seen a lick wow. of any. Don't watch, watch the first four. No, I kind of would rather watch no. this one what's first the and then Luke? see I'm, if I can make heads or tails of it. don't understand what you're missing. Apparently, oh, I, I just watch it's five and go from there. Luke, can I just say this to you as a friend? And I mean this in the most don't watch Tokyo Drift ever ever, no, ever, ever. I'm not saying it's the Tokyo worst Drift. film ever made but what if after but it might I be the worst this, film ever the made. only way I can make sense of it is if I <laughs> then it's not worth making well, sense it's of. not throw yourself off a bridge it's easier I have a vague understanding of what Stop. Stop. they're all about which I might Stop record Grace. one day for accuracy's sake oh, these all hurt me this all hurts I will go to bed which one's Hobbs and which one's Shaw I kind of feel like that's as much as I need to know going in The Rock and Shaw is Jason Okay. He's not even the original Shaw. His brother played by Luke Evans, who was the villain in Fast Six, was the original Shaw. <laughs> the original and then, Shaw. And then they brought Stop. in Jason Statham, the brother of his character, in a revenge plot. Oh. Which ties into something in Tokyo Drift, which is why you need to watch it. Honestly. You'd never watch it. You're it's, so uninformed. I watched it for the you. Just read the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's an homage to it does, history. Yeah, it's indeed, beautiful. Yeah. It's not. Um... <laughs> Oh God! For At sure. one. Tokyo Drift is shit, but necessary. I'm sorry. It's not necessary for anything, you could watch including dysentery. Um, At you. one, The Lion King. Speaking of unnecessary. Four point three million. Blah, 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 digital uncanny valley. Blah blah blah. Give Disney all the money. My review is meh. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. All right, good enough. <laughs> Keep it. You know, you couldn't pay me. This is a bad top ten, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Everyone. Not a great top this ten. Is, this Nothing is terrible. For... Number nine was good. Was it though? Gays. Oh shit! Yeah. What, yeah sorry. Spider-Man's <laughs> I, 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 I pretty good, but it's uh, been out for so long now. Yeah. Probably, it will probably stay out until schools reopen. Like a lot of that top ten. Until uh, you know, <laughs> until everything improves, until stay open until I say so. It. Oh god. Anyway, let's get right into the horror of the top ten. The horrible history of the top ten. But was that the entire top ten? Yes. Oh, felt like felt like longer, didn't I it? Waiting for something decent. No, 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 no. Let's let's see what the new releases have to say about uh, decent. What will be troubling? Are you ready? Is anything going to excite me? Uh, yes. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, good. Why would I lie about that? Wow. 
Or would I? Would I lie uh, from Winnie? Yes, I would lie from Winnie. Is there a re-release of Tokyo Drift? <laughs> You'll have to wait and see, Rona. Right, let's kick it off. Go. A film both myself and Grace have seen uh, not 24 hours ago. Animals. Animals. Sophie Hyde's uh, director has directed Emma Jane Unsworth's novel uh, which has moved from Manchester setting to a Dublin setting starring Holiday Granger which is a magnificent name Alia Shawcat and two other nondescript blokes uh, <laughs> so I'm not even attempting two other to. generic Irishmen um, we watched this last night I think I liked this quite oh, a bit wait, more than Grace did and Pat Short's in this and Pat Short's in it because yeah. he has to be in every Irish film uh, it's it's contractual obligation mm-hmm. which is fair um, this story of two youngish, but not quite as young as they think they are, thirty-ish year olds <laughs> who minors. are still partying after a decade of partying as kind of good friends who are get into that kind of classic film position of one wants to grow up and one doesn't mm-hmm. quite want to grow up. Yeah. Um, and you know complications ensue when one of them meets a guy that she wants to kind of have a relationship with, and then there's various other characters kind of spun around that. Um. I I like this quite a bit actually, for a couple of reasons, and I I will get to Grace's call in a second, and I think she's a very valid point on it. Um, the one thing I did like about it, and this this film has a kind of long DNA in it, in the sense that Within and I has covered a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Grace will allude to Francis has covered it a mm-hmm. little bit about kind of that friendship that kind of slips away mm-hmm. and how people change and whatever. But what but I did like about this more. Than anything, and and this is my reading of it. Though it's not necessarily everybody's got a take on it, I think. But there's a sense in this film, to my mind, that the two characters are codependent as opposed to one dependent on the other, which I find interesting. In the in the sense that, yeah. and in a typical sense, is the Alia Shawcat, who's the the Whitnell, I guess, in the in the character. She's loud, brassy, funny, strange, kind of turns rocks up at parties, gives people shit. She's great, and Alia Shawcat's fantastic in it, like, and gives it loads, and has some some of the best lines in the film. Uh, but her Holly Granger plays the kind of um, the kind of slightly more sensible one who wants to kind of move on with her life. But I, there's a sense throughout the film that she doesn't, she not necessarily wants to move on with her life. That part of the kind of comfort and cocoon of friendship is uh, that keeps you safe, no matter what that safety is, which is kind of being looked after all the time in your own kind of special way. And my sense throughout the film is that it's not the necessarily thing that she's grown up and the other person hasn't. It's that she might not, she comes to the realisation at certain points that she hasn't really grown up and doesn't kind of want to either. So there, I think that adds a certain level of interest to it, from, certainly from my point of view and my reading of it, that it's a codependency thing as opposed to one lead leaving the other behind. And even at the end of it, there's no sense that she's moved on in reality. Like, there's no, there's no mm-hmm. clear-cut sense of it that maybe she doesn't want to move on and maybe that it's okay to spend your time with friends and not necessarily grow up in inverted commas that you know certain things are expected of you be it you know kind of responsibilities houses <laughs> like people get houses in Dublin but you know uh, you know that's that kind of thing it's like how could you grow up and be responsible in Dublin when there's fuck all to grow up and be responsible in Dublin for and I think well the novel might not hit upon that in the sense that it wasn't set in Dublin I think the film is very clear about that and the one other thing I'll say before I hand over to Grace is that it also makes you spectacularly, ridiculously aware of the creepiness of art house, art skies in Dublin city, yeah. and how weird you and don't strange. Need to, and to preface that with an arts, just guys. Yeah, but guys in general. But there's a particular art guys thing yeah. that are supposedly liberal kind of woke dickheads 
and they, they kind of creep around cities and bars, the workman's club type people. That. We I all find, know the, the kind I of like, people like that actually worse than like I would actual agree. right wing. At least you know where they stand. Because yeah. like they think that they're better than they are. Yes. Metal Heart did this as well. Which? Metal Heart did this a bit. Yes, well. it is. It's it Fuckboy Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And not a Timothy Chalamet in sight. Yeah. But I think this makes it more explicit in a kind of low, low risk, low. We're not really threatening, but we're actually dickheads type thing, which is even worse, and particularly at a certain age where people should know better and stuff. I, I think it gets out really well, and uh, but I, I, I like that in that regard. But I, I don't, I don't think Grace was as enamored as I was. Um, I wasn't, but I don't know if maybe this is me being a little bit harsh on this film because. I have, I can't remember if we talked about this in the podcast, but definitely in other avenues I've talked about Francis Ha and the searing effect it had on me. Yes. I, I love Francis Ha a lot, but it's also a film that I genuinely don't think I could watch again because it made me so I think I read the grace. I've rewatched. It's, it's, ugh, just, it was so piercing in the way it looked at the whole idea of, a, if not necessarily a codependent friendship, then and not even a friendship that's one-sided but just the whole idea of friendship and how people perceive it and how you can be so wrapped up in something yeah. that means something completely different to you than it does to the other person yeah. which is something that i think has been explored in the context of romantic relationships a lot but not always within the context of platonic yes. relationships which is what i think francis had did very well um and it also i mean it went obviously for a slightly more heightened even slightly farcical in parts yes. kind of approach which is probably more the territory that you would expect from Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, but um, but I just feel like it got the point across a lot better and with much richer characters. Like the problem I suppose that I had with animals was that I was looking at these two people and I didn't really care for either of them, which I know it's you know probably the point to some extent. You're supposed to look at them and think that they're a bit I tragic. Kind of like them actually, weirdly. I don't know because I was. I like them together. I think more than like them as people. If you yeah. know what I mean. Like I can I can empathize to a certain extent with the idea that you raise the whole idea that, you know, oh, because you're a certain age, you should be doing certain things yes. or you should have attained certain milestones. Um, and I think a lot of that does come from a, a social perspective in the sense that it comes from your parents, maybe. And sometimes it comes from your friends. Like, I think what I liked in, in Francis Howe was that because it was the friend Sophie who started doing it, that's what sort of turned it on its head for Francis, as opposed to it coming from a family yes. background where it's very easy to just write it off and say they're from a different time or whatever. Um, but there was something about this that I just it never really seemed to delve into that. And I think in a weird way, this whole idea of people just like, like this specific portrait of youth in the sense of people being drunk all of the time and partying all of the time and, you know, not really having proper jobs or commitments or whatever. I get it. But at the same time, I feel like there has to be a better way of exploring that. Like this is, yeah. it's become kind of cliche to me. I'm like youth, youth, youthful excess and that feeling of not having um, direction and not having purpose in life doesn't have to be tied to just being shit-faced all oh, the no, time. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, and that, I don't know if maybe that's me just being like, I'm just not into this. I don't, like, just, I'm just not into this. Because, again, Francis had did this in a more quiet way. Like, yeah, nobody was off their tits throughout that entire that's movie. That's true. But I think there's an, an element of oblivion in this film. Like, of wanting to mm -hmm. escape. Yeah. And I think that it plays into that, I think, quite well. Yeah. No, I mean, I can see that. I just don't think it was hugely successful at That's portraying it. And there's, like, I just didn't feel like it was saying anything new about it. And That's there's, probably fair. there's the lack of resolution at the end where she doesn't really seem to make a decision one way or the other, which yeah. 
you know, in one sense, I suppose, could be construed as liberating, but it just it just didn't work. I think me. the problem I had with the film would have been that it probably could have ended about 15 minutes before it ended, it ended yeah. at a couple of points, which would have it made it really a better end film. Anywhere, no, so yeah. so it didn't. The extra 15 minutes didn't really make any difference in the grand scheme of things. So it doesn't really resolve anything beyond that, mm-hmm. and that's where my issue lies with the film. But up until then, I was pretty yeah. much with it, like. Because I think just for her to come to that realization of saying maybe I'm not as young, I suppose, for want of a better word, um, as I used to be, but I'm not like old enough and in inverted commas to be doing adult things like that yeah. should have a sense of catharsis to no, it that's and it just didn't that didn't come across for me right. but i mean it's grand i don't think it's like terrible or bad or it's, it's worth a watch but it just i just feel it's been done better elsewhere fair enough okay uh the art of racing in the rain is this the dog movie Ronan. this is the dog movie i was meant to go see this but i had to cancel on oh no i did really want to because there was uh it was a screening that had dogs on it beforehand <gasps> i know right it looks heartbreaking it looks, trailer, dreadful. it looks absolutely dreadful kevin, kevin costner, costner as the, the dog, dog with milo whatever his face is milo uh seafried Darren has done a bit of a, a phone-in on this one, um, providing a sort of review. He said that the the previous dog movie we saw, Dog's Journey, or Dog's Purpose, can't remember which it was. Does, um, does it really matter? Sometime back a few months ago, he said that it's like, if you wanted that and all the weirdness of the sort of dog traveling through time thing, but you also wanted an Oscar, but you also had Milo Ventimiglia, that's what you'd get. Uh, are people approaching this from the perspective that Milo Ventimiglia is a bad thing? Because no, no, he's I like a him. dreadful Most actor. Wrong. He's a dreadful actor. I disagree. <gasps> he can't. He, uh, I, Rocky Balboa. He is very good tanks that thing. I like Milo Ventimiglia. He may. I, I, he I may don't don't be good in actor, some things, but I think he's decent. Depends he's, on what he's in. in he's fairness, good to look at. I'll like, give him that. He is good to look at. This doesn't sound like the type of film in which anyone's acting skills yes, are going to Yes, very true. No, very I think true. that's probably fair, actually. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to lose his sleep. It's got my beloved Lily Why James. Why is it called there? The Art of Racing in the Rain? What no, earth that's does that who mean? knows? It has nothing to do with It's dogs. one of those weird American titles that mean fuck all. Like You'll have to buy like a, a ticket to find out. Luke, I expect a full review well, next week. I'm fascinated uh, to know what is going on with these dog movies and their kind of vague Christian bent that they're on. Right? Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? There's like, a whole it's thing. It's like, kind of reincarnation thing that goes the on. The dog's there. purpose one like literally had the dog frolicking through heaven where he yeah. was reunited with all his beloved. Ah, it would was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bonkers. It's like it's retired time. Americans like dogs. Yeah. Americans are weird. Yeah. It's time to start making socialist feminist movies starring cats. Yes. I'm well, you've got cats coming out. Tom Hooper is not the man to go through this. No, he's not the man to do that. Socialist hero, Angela. (laughs) (laughs) Man of the people. Tom, let's do it. We need a socialist fable. I'm your man. Tom, you are not, but we're the only guy we could get. Uh, Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Blinded by the light, which... I didn't like to look at the trailer. Apparently, Niall is a huge fan. This is Bruce Springsteen. If yeah. you're in the Chatters movie. Getting quite good reviews. Yes, it is. Uh, set in the kind of the Thatcher Britain spit in the floor. Uh, <laughs> about a young uh, Pakistani Jeez, teenager, I think, who, um, who discovers Bruce Springsteen and discovered his own voice in it and his family and stuff. Uh, the, the trailer looks very generic, but the word is better than the trailer would suggest. Mm-hmm. Niall is a huge fan. He's all Galway. Uh, but nobody has seen it here. Uh, no, I fair enough. Yeah. I really uh, want to see it. I think yeah, I, I'll, I think I'll probably good. see it as well based on people's word of mouth rather than It's trailer, giving me a kind of a Sing Street vibe. So oh, God. No. <laughs> uh, I was not a Sing Street fan. It was okay. Uh, yeah. Gaza. Um, I missed this. This was both at Dublin and at Galway, I think. Yeah. And I, there was, it was wall-to-wall miserable war documentaries and I yeah, missed yeah, this yeah. one because it's... We caught a few. Yeah, I... I 
there's only so much shrapnel you can take yeah. in actual terms. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was exhausted by it. And it looks good. The, it's it's got very, really very keen. Reviews. And Andrew McDonald's, Andrew McDonald's documentary about life in the Gaz Strip and the various characters and people yeah. that they I'm, meet. Um, I'm seeing this tomorrow, so I'll report oh, back really? next okay. week. And, and it's a perfect 90 minutes as well, yeah. uh, which I love in documentary terms. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested here. I'm hoping to catch it. Um, another one that I this is a weird one that's out this week in the IFI um, Holiday directed by Isabella Eckloff and this this is weird because this was on movie about two months ago mm-hmm. uh, I went to watch it and it just left that the day before which really irritated the crap out of me and now it's been released which is one of those odd things that happens every so often and the word of this is quite mixed I'd say it's apparently it's quite confrontational quite harsh and kind of be careful with it in the sense that it's it's really in your face and really dark mm. and strange film oh, um, that sounds quite appealing yeah it's a it's kind of it has this kind of reputation now and I've seen a bit of it on a Twitter where people either love it and think it's great or people think it's oh Jesus terrible oh, so it has one of those films which I'm always fascinated by because you know as yeah. reputational goes something that kind of evokes reaction in that way <laughs> is better than done as yep. shite yeah, yeah. Uh, so we like will Angry hopefully. Birds 2 exactly what Luke said the highly divisive classic. Speaking of a five people argument or four people argument. Oh. Playmobil. Ah. <laughs> the yellow pack Lego movie <laughs> that you've always wanted. Uh, Playmobil. It is. It's a real movie. Oh. Uh, starting. You're ready for this. Are you ready for this lineup of actors you've barely heard of and Daniel Radcliffe? Oh. You ready? And Daniel Radcliffe? As I, suspect I, I suspect he is and Daniel Radcliffe in this. Uh, <laughs> Anna Taylor Joy. I've heard of her. Jim Gaffigan. Stop. Gabriel Bateman, the wonderful Adam Lambert, Keenan Thompson. Wait. And Megan Lambert. And from, Megan from Keenan Trainer. and Kel? I would imagine so. Oh. He's got yeah. nothing else going on there this week. Go. The show has been cancelled. <laughs> uh, and the description here, the kind of blunt description on the Skullon website, which I really love. Animated feature film inspired by the Playmobil brand ties. Inspired, really? Inspired, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's... I don't think Inspired is going to cover it. Apparently, it's <laughs> dreadful. Um even like as a yellow pack uh, Lego movie will probably be generous I suspect um, so yeah let's not waste too much I don't think Playmobil quite has the brand to support a feature film does it you know well you know Angry Birds would probably argue that yeah, that didn't but point. there we go here we Just are for the Connects movie oh, <laughs> I want the Connects 4 uh, then, then we'll talk bring it back to the 80s Operation the movie by David Cronenberg. Oh wow, <laughs> that'd be good, right? That'd be incredible. That's Jeez. such a good fit. There's a pitch, Niles. If you're listening, Cronenberg, Operation. Oh, Let's get man. it happening. I Should probably that. sail with that after Battleship. You know, that's true. God, I, I, I could pitch all these kind of things. Yeah, I'm going to pitch a big load of board games. And We're just going to lock you in a room with like a pitcher of Guinness and then come back after four days and you just start flinging the them The first out. thing I'll say about it is Guinness does not come in pictures no. and I will not take the disrespect to Guinness Absolutely like that. Absolutely not allowed. Jesus I will, Christ. I will construct a pitcher just for Guinness. Thank you. I'm not drinking this. Okay, <laughs> Put you in a room for four days with a slow Guinness. Yes. And some Playmobil. And some Playmobil. <laughs> um, but it's golden. Um, final movie of the week. Uh, and it's a re-release in the IFI uh, of Hitchcock's Notorious um, in a new 4K restoration and I was looking this up because I thought I hadn't seen this in years and I realised it was on 2017 as a Christmas rewatch um, when I went to watch a, a few kind of older kind of classics and it's great um, it's Cary Grant Igor Bergman and Claude Rains um, and it's this kind of great story about um, 
uh, Cary Grant, who's this kind of US government agent who recruits um, Igor Bergman's character, who's the American daughter of a former convicted Nazi war criminal. And the user's spy to kind of go to South America, to Brazil, to there's a Nazi hiding out there to kind of go undercover and kind of root him out. Which there's a kind of love story becomes really complicated and the stakes get a bit kind of higher. And it's this great Hitchcock kind of, and it's one of my favorite Hitchcocks. Like the camera work is exceptional. The, the leads are great. Bergman is just fabulous, as you'd expect. And it's this kind of really poison chalice love story in it that yeah. gets darker and darker as it goes on. And the second half is just full of tension. And uh, it does a final last scene that's glorious. I am. Um, I would recommend this. I'm probably hoping to catch it in the big screen. I've never seen the cinema. Uh, add that to my 500 films I have to watch next week. But uh, indeed, um, that that's on my list. Uh, but uh, if you haven't seen it, and if you're not too much of a Hitchcock fan, which some people aren't, and some people are, uh, depending on your thing. But this is one of the very best ones to catch. I think I saw it once quite some time ago, and don't necessarily remember it terribly well. So I'm looking forward to catching it again. Yeah. No, it's good, and I think it's only about 100 minutes as well, which is never hurts. Extra star. Extra star indeed. <laughs> um, but uh, and beautiful black and white uh, cinematography. But that's it. Uh, that's it. Well done, everyone. You got to the end. Woo! Uh, here, here is your virtual lollies. No death um, threats. No no real lollies? No, no real lollies. God uh, damn it. I put that in the terms and conditions where you really shouldn't read them. This is how you lure us here. Yeah. With promises of pictures of Guinness and virtual lollies. <laughs> in cake we can't eat. <laughs> in cake we can't eat. <laughs>